You are listening to the Business Society Podcast, formerly known as Think Like a CFO. The Business Society is a podcast for entrepreneurs and business owners, where we talk all about what it means to be an entrepreneur and manage the money in your business and personal life. I'm your host, Melissa Houston, and I am a CPA with over 20 years of experience working with entrepreneurs just like you. And I am here to share my knowledge and love of all things business. Check out my blog at thebusinesssociety.co and make sure you check out my articles at Forbes.com. CEO of Sales Maven, an organization dedicated to authentic selling, Nikki Roche has the ability to transform the misunderstood process of selling. With over 25 years of experience selling to such prestigious organizations as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Hewlett Packard, and Nassau, Nikki shattered sales records in many industries, receiving multiple top producer awards along the way. Today, entrepreneurs and small business owners from a wide range of disciplines hire Nikki to show them how to sell successfully and authentically without being pushy or salesy. An engaging and sought after speaker, she shares the secrets of her sales success through illuminating keynote addresses and business changing workshops. Her robust sales maven society ignites game changing outcomes for clients. Hey, Nikki, welcome to the Business Society podcast. I am so excited to have you here with us today. Thank you for having me. I am absolutely thrilled to be able to have a conversation with you. I love the topic that we're about to dive into today because sales is definitely not my forte. So (laughs) you are known as the sales maven. And I would love for you to tell us a little bit about your business and what it is that you offer. So my company is Sales Maven, pretty easy. And I specialize in teaching people how to have more effective sales conversations. There's lots of people out there that teach you how to fill a sales funnel. And I teach you what to do once you have that lead in the door. How do you walk them through the process where you get to the place where you exchange dollars for services? So I... I'm a sales professional by trade. That's my background. I also am a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. It's essentially the study of communication. So I show up and teach people how to build rapport, how to deepen connections with the people they're in conversation with, and how to be strategic in those conversations. I love that. And okay, so my first thing that I really feel that we need to get out of the way and because mm-hmm. it, it applies to me and I'm sure if it applies to me, it applies to a lot of listeners is when you feel the fear about sales. So mm-hmm. in my opinion, getting rid of that fear is kind of the first step. Would you agree with that? Well, yes, but really kind of addressing where the fear comes from, I think is also important. We've all been on the receiving end of somebody who's done sales to us really horribly. And we never want to be that person that like does that to somebody else, right? So I often, I teach people that sales really isn't something that you do to somebody. It's something you do with. And when you start showing up from this mindset of, I am here to be of service. My job is to understand, do you have a problem, a need, or a want? And do I have a solution that is going to solve the problem, meet the need, help with the want, right? And Mm -hmm. if I do then I'm going to offer it to you and I'm going to make the whole conversation about you, the prospective client. It's not going to be about me. I can't be caught up in like, what's Melissa thinking about me? And is she thinking, oh my gosh, like Nikki should say this up different or Nikki should do that. Like I'm not spending time 
worried about what you're thinking about me. I'm spending time worried about, am I making Melissa comfortable? Am I paying attention to the language that she's using? Am I putting things in a place and in a terms that she's open to receiving them? Am I asking her permission to even have conversations about certain topics? Because if I do all of those things, I've built rapport with Melissa and she's much more likely to be open to hearing my message, open to sharing how to earn her business. And frankly, she's usually open to having a longer conversation with me than like, you got two minutes, go. Yeah, so true. And I love like the the word that you use that jumps right out at me is rapport, building that rapport with somebody. And that way you don't feel like you're selling to them and they don't feel like they're being sold to as well. I mean, relationship building is key, I would think. Yes. I actually say often, and I have little stickers that I send my members to my, I have a, I actually have a membership. I think you you are a girl and I'm a girl after your own heart because it's called the sales maven society. Cause I love the word society. Like, <laughs> I, love it. So I actually send them a sticker that says relationship first rapport always. And everything I teach is built on this foundation of rapport. If you don't have rapport, you have no business selling to somebody. You have no business trying to earn somebody's business without that rapport piece there because you're probably wasting time and energy and effort selling to the wrong people if you don't have rapport. So when you're teaching the sales process, now that we've gotten the fear part out of the way, where do you really start? So I start with the conversation and I teach a five-step process. I call it the selling staircase because I believe that it's your job to understand what step am I on with this person and how do I guide them to the next step? And so I teach it as a staircase because I want my clients to be thinking like, am I moving this prospect up the steps And if I'm not, where am I missing? Like, what step are we on? And what do I need to do next? So instead of just showing up in a conversation like, I got to earn this person's business. Like, I got to close this sale. It's like, no, what step are you on? And can you move them to the next step? Step one in a conversation is the introduction. And the objective of step one is to make a powerful first impression. Now, frankly, step one might already be covered when you actually get onto a live conversation because somebody's been to your website or they've seen an ad or maybe they've heard you on a podcast and they already feel that somewhat of that like peaked interest a little bit like "Mm, this person made a she made a good powerful first impression so I may be interested to know a little bit more so that's step one step two in the process is creating curiosity this by the way is the most missed step in the selling process most people don't think about am I creating curiosity? And here's how you know you create curiosity is people have questions. People have questions for you because you've created a little bit of curiosity. About the product or the like the offer. Creating curiosity about you, your business or what it is that you offer to people. So they want to know more. So I'll give you just an example. Well, first, let me, let me just share this. I often teach that creating curiosity, it's the difference between how you show up in a conversation, like whether you show up the difference between a cat and a dog, frankly. So here's like, that sounds a little crazy. But (laughs) if you think about if you want to get a dog's attention, you'll show up in a conversation with a dog with this like high pitched energy, like, come here, boy, like, come here, let's go do something fun. And dogs love that energy because they're like, 
oh my gosh, we're going to do something fun. Maybe I'm going to get a treat. Maybe we're going to go for a walk. Like what, what is it? What is it? And they love that. But sometimes when we show up in a sales conversation and we have what I call dog calling energy, we turn people off because they're like, well, first of all, I'm not a dog. I don't like being talked to of like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to tell you everything that you need to know. And I'm going to help you and I'm going to blow your mind and you've got to buy from me. And if you don't buy from me, you're missing out, right? Like we mm-hmm. hate being sold to like that. So the flip side of creating curiosity is what I call like creating here kitty kitty statements. Because if you want a cat's attention, you do this little thing where you go here kitty kitty. kitty, kitty. Right. And if you do that, a cat might not even come to you, but they might look, they might go, "Hmm, what are you doing? Let me maybe check it out. Maybe I'll come over. We'll see. So we're all we're trying to do is peak some curiosity with somebody that makes them go, tell me more. So for instance, one of the ways to do this is how do you answer questions that people ask you? So for instance, if somebody said, Hey, Melissa, you know, have you been lately? You could have a standard answer like, oh, I've been fine, but that doesn't really create any curiosity, right? That doesn't open the door for anybody to go, oh, maybe you can help me. (laughs) Tell me more, right? So instead, I want you to say something like, well, what do you have coming up by the way right now? Like, do you have a, do you have a new thing offering? Like, do you have something exciting in your business? Like, what is something that you would say right now? to somebody about your business. About my business? Oh, look mm-hmm. at my amazing guest that's coming on this podcast. Nikki, okay. the sales maven. <laughs> okay, so one of the things you could say, if you want to talk about your podcast and somebody says, hey, Melissa, have you been lately? You might go, oh my gosh, I've been great. I am so excited about a guest that I just interviewed on the podcast. Now, if you okay. say that to somebody and they might go, wait, you have a podcast? Tell me more about the podcast. Who was the guest? What was interesting about this person? Well, now you're in conversation with them because they're asking you questions. And what happens when you create curiosity, a lot of times you pique somebody's curiosity. And if they're a potential client for you, they will start giving you what I call buying signals. Buying signals are verbal and nonverbal cues that people give that indicate interest. So for instance, if somebody says, oh, you have a podcast, like, what do you do? And then you talk about who you serve and they go, well, I'm a CPA or I, I'm in this field. Like, I wonder if you could help me with something like that. And you go, yes, I can absolutely help you with something like that. Is that something you'd be open to having a further conversation about? Now, by issuing that invitation, which is essentially me asking permission, I'm moving them to step three in the process, which is that discovery slash consultation conversation, or at least piece of the conversation. Sometimes these steps happen on individual conversations. Sometimes they happen in one conversation. You can move somebody through all five steps. So if they say, oh, well, Melissa, I think maybe maybe that's something I could use help with and you you invite them and they go, yeah, let's let's talk. So now once we're in the discovery, the objective of the discovery is to understand what's the need, what's the want, what's the problem? Like what's going on for them? So we got to ask good questions to get to the heart of the matter. And I also say in the discovery, your job is to ask questions that lead people down the path to hiring you. And just to clarify what I mean by that is oftentimes People will get somebody on a discovery call and they start asking them questions as if the person has already hired them. And that's a mistake because a lot of those questions that you ask people once they do hire you, like you don't need the answer 
to that question in order to earn their business. You only need that answer after they hire you. So for instance, I'll never ask anybody in a discovery process, like what, what are you using to manage your, like your client list? Like that is irrelevant until you hire me. What I will ask you is, do you know how to incorporate story into your sales conversations? Cause guess why? I teach that. So I'm going to ask a question like that. And if they go, what do you mean story, Nikki? Like, oh, I'm not a good storyteller or no, I, I wish I knew how to do that. Well, now there's something there that I might be able to help them with. So I've asked a question that has planted a seed of like probably asking me that question because she knows how to do this, right? So you mm-hmm. want to ask good questions that lead them to hiring you and or frankly, identifying like they're not an ideal client for you because that happens too, right? Like I have specific questions I ask in the discovery and if somebody's answer to all of my questions is, yeah, I'm a rock star at that. Like I'm super good at that. Yeah, I can do that too. I have no problem with this. Like they're probably not a client for me because they mm-hmm. already think they know how to do everything that I teach. So bless and release those people as fast as possible in the nicest, kindest way. But I don't want to spend a bunch of time talking to people who are not ideal clients. Mm -hmm. So in the discovery, we identify what's their problem, what's their need, ask questions in a way that leads them to go, maybe you have a solution. And then once you get to that place at the end of the discovery, you've asked the good questions, you have a sense, there's something you could do with this person, we're going to invite them to step four. And step four is the proposal. This is where we lay out different ways that we could work with them. Might be one way, or it might be up to three different ways that somebody could work with you. And the objective there is to make a really clear offer in that proposal so that they can say yes, no, maybe, or whatever. But we're getting to a very clear ask here, which step four and step five go really close together. So step four is proposal. Step five is the actual close language. And this is the second most missed step in the sales process because people will do this thing. Like as a seller, if you're not very comfortable with sales, you'll oftentimes lay out a way somebody can work with you. And then you'll go, so let me know what you want to do. No, (laughs) you have to issue closed language. You have to give them a opportunity to decide to hire you. Yes, no, or maybe. So you need to issue closed language and that's step five. And an example of closed language, for instance, might be, you know, based on these options, which would you prefer? That's closed language. Very clear ask so that their brain can go, I would prefer this, or I have a question, or I have an objection, or it's a no. Either any of those answers are okay, but we got to get to the place where we allow them to make a decision. Okay. So the first question that pops in my head is if you're at the proposal stage and you actually have to submit like a written proposal, what Uh do you do? Do you schedule another meeting and and offer that proposal at that time so you can discuss it? Or do you just send it ahead of time and then hope for the best? Something in between. <laughs> I love both okay. of those. Definitely not the second. So if if it makes sense for you to walk them through the proposal, then what I would say is, I'd like to put together a formal proposal for you. And let's schedule a time right now to circle back and we'll walk through it together. And then we could talk about me- best next steps from there. Do you have time on your calendar? I'll have this to you on Friday. Can we talk Monday? Right. Or something like that. I always schedule my next step before I end the current conversation. If oh, at all that's possible. Brilliant. Yeah. And what I mean, what I mean there too is that when I say if at all possible, because sometimes, 
you know, I'll say to somebody, let's schedule our circle bot call to review the proposal. And they'll say like, you know what, Nikki, I'll just let you know whatever I decide. And in that particular case, I was, I'm, I'm going to be like, okay, great. I'll look forward to hearing from you when you're ready. Cause I refuse to chase clients. I always say, don't chase clients because they turn into toddlers. If you say to a toddler right now in a room who just met you, I'm going to chase you. The first thing that toddler does is they just take off running. They don't even know yeah. why we're playing, but they're going to run. So if you act like you're going to just chase clients, they're going to turn into toddlers and run from you. And then you're going to spend a lot of time and energy kind of spinning your wheels. So if somebody says like, I'll let you know, then I go great in the nicest way possible. I'm saying to them, here's the ball. You own it. I'll be here to like receive it when you're ready, but I'm not going to just be like, Hey, throw the ball back. Hey, throw the ball. Hey, Hey, Hey. Like I just think that's yeah. a waste of time and energy. That's true. Eh? Cause it also establishes sort of the, who has mm-hmm. the power. Yeah. And in sales with any relationship, but definitely in a sales relationship that you always want there to be a balance of power. Because if you hold all the power in the conversation as the seller, the person will go find someone else to buy from, frankly, because it won't Mm -hmm. feel good. But if they hold all the power in the sales conversation, the client or the prospect holds all the power they'll abuse you, frankly. Like they'll take you for granted. They'll make you jump through a bunch of hoops because isn't it fun when people just jump through hoops for you like crazy for no reason? And the worst thing about this is you actually are causing them to not make a decision. You're postponing them getting a solution that's going to solve their problem. When you start to act like, oh, hey, you just like use and and abuse me and I'll just be here whenever. Mm -hmm. And I'll just keep following up with you and you don't have any accountability at all. Like it's, this Mm -hmm. is a, you know, one-sided relationship because whenever any relationship in your life that feels one-sided, usually the person's taking some advantage. So we don't want the client to take advantage we don't want to take advantage of the client. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, what types of problems commonly occur during this sales process? Well, some of the problems that occur is either people aren't asking the right questions that lead people to hiring them. That can happen. Or they're sometimes when I evaluate somebody's process, they are putting up unintentionally, they're putting up a bunch of roadblocks to somebody hiring them. I cannot tell you how many clients who I've worked with where in our initial kind of conversation, they're like, oh, well, I have to have three or five or 10 conversations with somebody before I can invite them to do business with me. Or I need somebody to fill out all of this information before I can get on a call with them. And I'm always like, that's a roadblock. I often find that they're not necessary. As a matter of fact, like 95% of the time, they're not necessary. People often say like, oh, I can't take payment on that first call. Yeah, that's baloney. You can absolutely take payment. Most businesses, again, like 90% of businesses, I'm going to say, that tell me I can't take a payment over the phone from a client. You absolutely can. And frankly, you should. If the customer is ready to pay you money, you got to be ready to take it. By saying to them, no, I can't take your money. You You have to go to this link and you have to fill out this thing and you have to do this other thing. And then you have to get a contract back to me. And then I'll send you that. Like all you just did was add a bunch of things to somebody's to-do list. And frankly, none of us need things added to our to-do list. Your job is to not add things to a prospective client's to-do list. Your job is to make it super easy for them to hire you. And they will. 
yeah, that's great. Good idea to take the the payment when they're ready to pay. And yeah, to alleviate the steps that that makes a lot of sense because people are generally, you know, excuse me for saying, but lazy. But what happens if the client says, I'm going to have to think about it? So oftentimes people think that's a kiss off and it's not. (laughs) And as a matter of fact, if it is, we got to check it out, right? Your job is to still try to earn the business. So when somebody says to me, Nikki, I need to think about it. I say, great. About how much time do you think you'll need? Let's go ahead and schedule a circle back call now. That way, it'll give you time to think about it. We'll have a, another discussion to answer any additional questions that come to mind. And then we can talk about best next steps for moving forward together. Can we get that on our calendars now? So, and I actually get circle back calls scheduled on my calendar. And then what happens is, people actually take time to think about it because they see me on their calendar and they're like, oh, I better think about whether or not I want to work with her. And sometimes if the answer is no, they'll cancel the call with me. Great, because I don't want to spend time getting on a call for somebody to say like, I'm not interested in hiring you. But what will happen usually is we'll get on a call, they'll have one or two more questions, and then I'll earn their business. And if you don't schedule that circle back call when someone says I need to think about it, if you say, great, let me know, then they'll chances are they'll never make time to think about it because they're busy, just like you are. They have a million things vying for their attention. And if it's not like an urgent right in front of them decision, oftentimes we'll postpone making it because frankly, most of us have decision fatigue anyway. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we got to make it super easy for them. And the way you make it easy for them to get what they're telling you they want or their problem solved is you have to make it easy for them to take that next step with you. So if somebody says they got to think about it, honor that, give them time. Sometimes I'll say before we end the call, say now, is there any additional information that would be useful for you to know to make a decision? Like I'll check to see, like, did I give them everything they need so they really can think about it and make a decision? See, this is just me being the person who isn't comfortable with sales. And I would feel very pushy to say, okay, let's schedule another time to talk, circle back with you and to see, basically follow your suggestion. I would hugely hesitate on that one. So how do I overcome that hesitation? I'm going to ask you to, to take a risk then with me and give it, give it like three tries with three different okay. clients. And if you say at the end of three, like, I just can't, it's it's not working. Nikki, I hate this idea. Okay. If what you're doing is working, like, don't, you know, don't change. But this particular one, this circle back call, I cannot tell you how many times I earn people's business on the circle back call. And I can't tell you how many times I've taught this, like really taught this. My clients that do it will come back and say, I close so much more business now. And it's not because I'm being pushy. It's not because I'm being aggressive to the other person. I'm actually going to give them as much time as they want. If they say I need two weeks, great, let's schedule a call in two weeks. If they say Mm -hmm. I need a month, great, let's schedule a call in a month. But usually, as a matter of fact, just before I got on this call with you, I just ended a discovery call with somebody. And she said, Nikki, I need to think about it. So I'll just let you know in a couple days. And I said, 
what do you think about us just scheduling a circle back call? And then that way we know we have a time scheduled. It'll be an opportunity for you to ask me any additional questions. And then we'll decide at that point about best next steps. And she's like, great. I go, what do you think about Wednesday? This is Monday. We're having this conversation. So what do you think about Wednesday? She's like, yeah, Wednesday, like super happy. I've never had a sales conversation with this person before, but she's so happy because I just made it easy for her. Most of us live and breathe our calendars. And if it doesn't exist on our calendars, it's super hard to fit into our day. So Mm -hmm. by being on her calendar and by her being on my calendar, then we know we have dedicated time to having this discussion. And if she you know, emails me tomorrow and says, Hey, go kick rocks, Nikki. I'm not interested in hiring you. I'm not offended by it. And chances are we're going to get on the call in two days and she's going to say like, I'm in, let's go. I totally see the value in that. And I really appreciate the fact that you're outlining this for myself and all the listeners, because I mean, I truly, truly mean it when I say I would totally hesitate on the circle back call. But now that you explain to me how it works and why it's so important. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to commit to that. So that is really valuable information. I really appreciate you sharing that. What types of objections do you usually get from your clients? Like when you're teaching, you know, like, do, do you get a lot of learners like me who just have a lot of hesitation, a lot of mm-hmm. like I fear? And how do you walk them through it? The answer is yes. I work with a lot of people who are hesitant around sales. They're hesitant. They're like, I don't think I could say that. So I spend a lot of time with the language piece. As a matter of fact, in my like private membership group, one of the services that I offer to my members is they can go in and post their messages that they're going to send to a prospective client. I take those messages and tweak them a little bit for them when they want to make a more reader friendly, more sales focused, moving to the next step. And they are so thrilled to have somebody who will just like take a look at my message and go, is this going to resonate with the reader? This is where my NLP background comes in, where I really look for how is this going to land to the reader? And how can we change up the language to make it super clear, super easy for somebody to take whatever that next step is? So yes, I work with tons and tons of people that have some fear around sales. And I give them a lot of examples of here's actual language that you could use. And sometimes you can actually most of the time you can tweak my language to make it more applicable to you. Like, okay, there are certain things that Nikki would say that Melissa would be like, I wouldn't say it like that. That's okay. As long as you have the gist of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there are certain things that I teach where I'm like, this is the exact language you're going to want to use. And here's why. And when my clients come back and they use my language, the language that I teach, they're like, that works every time. And there's a reason for it, right? And then there's other times where they're like, oh, I can tweak it a little bit. At least I know what I can say versus sitting here going, I don't know what to say. And I'm afraid they're going to ask me this question. And so I'm just not going to call them. I'm just going to send them an email or I'm just going to wait for them to get in touch with me because I feel hesitant. Like I don't want to come across pushy and aggressive. Those are the types of things where you're like, you go into my group and you post like, here's what I want to say, Nikki. And what would you say? How can I soften it? Or how can I make it more palatable to the person that's going to receive it? 
I love that. Yeah, because everybody's got their own language and everybody's got their own comfort levels, right? Yeah, totally. And I think you'll, I mean, the people who I work with, they they get to this place where they're like, I am so confident in my sales conversations. I no longer worry like, what if they ask me this? Or what if this comes up, right? Or they're like, I know what to focus on. I know how to give myself time and space to to respond in a thoughtful way. And I know how to build rapport. Like if you've got those things down, then sales gets so much easier. Yeah, that's so true. This has been such an amazing conversation. And I really love how you've laid out the the five-step process. Now, if there's one thing that you really want listeners to take away from this conversation today, what would that be? The thing I want people mostly to take away from the stuff that I teach is that it is absolutely okay to issue invitations for people to work with you, to figure out where are we in this conversation and issue an invitation to move to a next step. Because oftentimes, if you don't issue invitations, people won't move. They'll, they don't know what to do. Like, you know what you want them to do, but they don't know. So your job is to make it easy, make it clear. And a lot of times that happens just by issuing an invitation. And some people will refer to this as like, ask for the sale. But the reason I teach it as issue the invitation is because you might be on step two and it might not be appropriate to ask for the sale yet. What might be appropriate instead is to ask for a consultation call or a discovery call. So I want you to issue invitations more than anything else. And I did write a book about this, by the way, The Five Steps of the Selling Staircase. So there's a book out there called The Selling Staircase if you want to dig deeper into this. And I teach these like all day long to clients. I love that. And we will leave a link to your book in the show notes. And when people listen and they want to reach out to you, how do they get a hold of you? The easiest way, I'm going to wrap it around a gift, if that's okay for your audience, is I have a download. Okay, good. So I have a book that's, it's an ebook and it's called Closing the Sale. And it really kind of focuses on those last three steps that I talk about and give some language suggestions. So the idea here is to boost confidence of the reader. So you can get that right now by going to yoursalesmaven.com and maven is M-A-V-E-N. So yoursalesmaven.com forward slash BSP for Business Society Podcast. So BSP. And then you'll download that. We'll be connected. And that there will be lots of opportunity for us to, to get to know each other better. I love that. And we will leave the link in the show notes. So thank you so much for joining us today. I personally have learned a ton and I'm sure a lot of listeners have as well. And you've definitely helped ease the sales conversation for me and the, and the fear and the stress that I feel around it. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me. I really, I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Business Society Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with someone you think would love it. Until next time, I'm Melissa Houston. And never forget, nobody will ever care about your money as much as you do. So never give your financial power away.